Hello and welcome to episode four of my Omniverse Fiction Podcast. Uh, this is the fourth story of uh, Through a Glass Darkly that I'll be doing. It's the last. There are four stories in the anthology, so this one is it. I elected to read this one myself. I'm not sure if that says anything about me, but I definitely, I definitely identify with the character of Reggie in this story. Uh, so it, it kind of feels like it's my story to read. Um, so uh, I will, without much further ado, uh, read Power in the Blood. I do want to say one thing. I've already had some interest in uh, people reading for me uh, based on previous announcements. So yeah, send those messages in if you're interested. And preferably send me a sample of your audio so that I can know if the quality is up to my less than rigorous standards. I do want to know if you can do clean audio. Um, also, secondly, I said that, so there was only one thing, but secondly, um, if you're enjoying this, by all means, go out and buy the anthology $2.99 on Amazon. Uh, you can also get it directly through the site, and uh, I can arrange an autographed copy if you are so inclined. Without further ado, and I promise this time, uh, here is Power in the Blood by Scott Roche. A grunt escaped Reggie's mouth as one last kick landed in his gut. He felt the cool pavement on his face and heard the cursing only as white noise. His body struggled to block out all sensation. Something lifted him up, and the last thing he remembered was the world turning red and the taste of metal in his mouth. He woke up in his bed at home, every part of him aching. Surrounded by the plain but fastidiously clean wooden furniture and the trinkets of his quickly retreating boyhood, he was at peace. Mom sat at the foot of his bed, hands folded in her lap, Botticelli's virgin, saying the rosary over him. Who did this to you, son? She leaned forward. His voice came out strong and clear. I can't say. It hurt his jaw to talk, but years of getting his ass kicked by bullies and more than once by his father, had given him intimate knowledge of Payne's language. He didn't think he had any broken bones, just plenty of bruises. The mirror behind his mom revealed must-brown curls, a few bruises on his face, and a rainbow on his upper torso. Can you leave so I can get dressed? Further questioning would be pointless. Every time her son came home like this, he demanded distance. I'm sorry, Reggie. The thin wooden door closed behind her. He looked at the clean school uniform that Mom had draped over his chair, the coat of arms for St. Andrews in stark contrast to the navy blazer. It was the best school in the city, and he was one of its brightest students. He loved the knowledge that it gave him and saw the brutality as a small price to pay. It made him angry, but he used the anger, the humiliation, the pain to help him focus and push through. Eighteen more months, and he would be free of its bonds. College beckoned him, a cool and soothing mistress. The distance seemed insurmountable on days like this. The ritual of showering and dressing gave him time to prepare mentally for what lay ahead. Whatever it was, he felt sure it would be unpleasant. He started every day by giving himself over to visions of the violence he wanted to do to his enemies. He knew realistically he'd never have the guts to carry a knife and use it over and over again in the precise ways he imagined, but somehow it took some of the feeling of helplessness away. Maybe one day he would just snap, and in a blink they would all be gone. 
toothpaste and dried blood mixed in his mouth as he finished the last steps. The taste had an electricity about it that he enjoyed. He remembered getting nosebleeds as a kid and relishing that coppery smell and the brilliant redness of it. If that made him some kind of freak, he lived with it. Ten minutes later, he was out the door, chain-link fences topped by razor wire flanking him. Beat-up, spray-painted cars crowded him as though vying for their own slice of the sidewalk. Sum, sumus, es, estus, est, sunt, he muttered under his breath. Hey, kid, want a little something to get you through school? A grating voice called to Reggie from a nearby alley. Reggie kept on going, oblivious to the dealer, concentrating solely on the upcoming test. The man caught up with him and tried to get his attention. Persistence almost always paid off. Hey, you, come on, the first one's free. Reggie looked up. He felt the warmth of anger push up through him. Leave me alone. The voice that came out of him resonated through his whole body. Never mind, kid. A slight tremor in the dealer's voice and the whiff of fear pleased something in Reggie. The school was an island of carefully tended green surrounded by raw iron fences. It was protected from the encroaching rot of the city by reputation more than anything else, but graffiti on one gatepost showed how tenuous that was. Once inside, throngs of children chatting and laughing swallowed him, and he lost himself in the anonymity of a crowd. No one stared at him, not that he noticed. There was no laughter, at least not to his face. English, math, and Latin all came and went. The last brought sweet Margaret and her pink silk panties. Boys were almost always guaranteed that preview to paradise, and more than one had actually entered, or so the bathroom stall said. That view was afforded by seats in concentric circles, radiating out from Father Tim. Lost in thought of what lay beneath that plaid, kept the droning from driving him to sleep. He was so lost that it wasn't until the laughter was fairly loud that he looked up. Enjoying your reverie, Master Stevens, Father Tim stood at his right shoulder. Penance for lust can be quite severe. Perhaps you need to go straight to chapel after this class and seek out Father Donovan. The smugness on his face had once been love for these boys and girls. Reggie felt the heat ooze up his neck and over his ears, the blush making it to the roots of his hair. Margaret and her friends were laughing. He wanted to stand up and call her every dirty name he could think of. The boys around him laughed, thankful it wasn't them. He wanted to lash out and remind them of their own sin. Instead, he sat in humiliation as the teacher regained control of his class. The chapel sat at the end of the marble-floored hall, lurking in the shadows. Donovan always creeped him out, and he had a feeling the old man would be all too interested in the lurid details of Reggie's fantasy. Instead, he headed outside. There he could find fifteen minutes of cool air and maybe a smoke. Strictly speaking, it was against the rules, but it was one of the many unenforced ones here. An oak supported him as he thought of smashing Father Tim's head again and again into the brick wall at his feet. That and the cheap tobacco smoke warmed his core. Once again, though, his meditations were interrupted. Enjoy yourself, you little fucker, a gruff voice snapped at him. Reggie looked into the face of one of his more frequent and violent tormentors, Don Wilson. The act actually required him to look down as Reggie was close to six foot four inches, and Don was a more average five ten. 
Both boys weighed in at 180, though, and Don's weight came from muscle. Sorry. Trying to get a look at my woman's coos. He stepped up and poked a finger into Reggie's sternum. Are we going to have to have a repeat of yesterday's lesson? From a place that Reggie often wished he could plug up, he said, I wasn't aware that the pussy in question was owned by one man. He immediately regretted that as Don's beefy hand grabbed him by his hair. What was that? His other hand punctuated the question with a slap. I didn't hear you. A backhand to the face came out of nowhere. Impotent rage bubbled up. Tears distilled Reggie's anger and shame. No, he answered Don's first question. Don released his hair. Damn shame. I was looking forward to kicking your skinny ass again. The permanent smirk on his face cranked up a notch. Reggie straightened and ran the back of his arm over his nose. Mucus and tears stained the navy of his jacket. I wasn't aware that you needed a reason. He felt like he was ten years old again. Don had that effect on him. Don tensed to strike, but was stopped by an adult voice. Problem, boys? Sister Fran asked, already knowing the answer. She had only been teaching here for eighteen months and still held hope for them. The boys looked at her. She was the youngest nun there, and one that most boys at Andrews spent a good deal of time fantasizing about. Not so much because she was sexy, more because she wasn't a dried apple in a wimple. Yet. No, ma'am, came the answer in chorus. I'm afraid that I don't believe you, she pointed her slim, pale finger at Don. I saw what you did, Donald. Perhaps you think you're immune because of your status on our football team. I can assure you that that's not the case. You will both report to Coach Feeney at day's end, and he will extract an apology. Her look said that she would brook no disagreement. Reggie screamed inside his head, This will only make it worse. Don't do this to me. But he only nodded, taking in the set of Don's jaw and anticipating a visit to the hospital. She stepped up to Reggie. And as for you, Reginald, you're a fine boy. You don't have to take this from the likes of him. She produced a plain white cotton handkerchief from her skirt pocket and handed it over. He inhaled before he blew and caught a whiff of something that wasn't quite perfume. He felt hungry, aroused, and confused all at once. Sufficiently clean, he nodded thanks and tucked the cloth in his back pocket. Now, I'll be watching you both for the rest of break time. Don't make it worse on yourselves. She straightened her already immaculate smock and turned. Both boys watched her walk off. Don turned first. You're a fucking lucky twist. After we deal with the coach, I'll deal with you. And come graduation, I'm dealing with her. A short punch to Reggie's stomach signaled the end of their conversation. Reggie managed to keep his breakfast down, and when he regained his breath, he finished classes for the day. The whole day was filled with gut-churning dread. The sister's words echoed over and over in his head, and she was right. He should have stood up to the bullies years ago but entropy was a powerful force. He tried to placate himself with his fantasies, but neither that nor the weird fragrance from Fran's handkerchief helped. Afternoon arrived, and per his nature, Reggie was there on the dot. Don had come early, and the coach, a man in his fifties and not at all built like most aging jocks, stood in front of them. His office was the gym, and at present it was dominated by the boxing ring. Feeney ran his nicotine-stained fingers through thick, white hair. Boys, 
it has come to my attention that there's a problem between you two. We're going to solve that problem right here and right now. He looked at Don. Sister Fran wants you to leave this boy alone and wants you off the team if you don't. Neither of us want that. He slapped the athlete on his thick chest hard enough for both boys to wince. His gaze shifted to Reggie. Water-pale eyes bored into him. She tells me that you won't stand up for yourself. Inexcusable. We'll settle this the old-fashioned way. You're going to beat the crap out of each other, and after that there'll be no more. Back to Don. You so much as lay a finger on him after today, and I'll bury you under the field myself. Now dress out and glove up. He pointed to two pairs of boxing gloves on his desk. The boys knew better than to argue. A few minutes later, and they squared off in the boxing ring. They had both been taught the basics, as had every male at Andrews. Reggie took a defensive posture, waiting for the blows. Come on, you big pussy. I'll give you one freebie. After that, I'll give you a pounding like your daddy used to. Don stood with his red-gloved hands at his sides. Coach called from outside the ring, voice echoing in the expanse. Go ahead, boy. Take it. Reggie brought his hand back for a big haymaker. He focused every ounce of his rage, hatred, and fear behind it. It split the air and missed Don by a quarter inch, spinning Reggie around, causing him to fall. Don nearly doubled over from laughter. He towed Reggie. Get up, you fag. My turn. A second later, and Reggie had latched onto Don's leg. Don thought he was going to be... Don thought he was going to beg until he felt a sharp pain in his calf. Hot blood squirted down Reggie's throat along with the chunk of meat. He had just intended to throw Don off his feet, but the bite came without a thought. Don fell all right and fell screaming. Reggie climbed on top of him and began to beat him. With every blow that fell, Reggie felt stronger. My father beat me like this, asshole. Every word was punctuated by the smack of leather on flesh. It didn't go on for long before Coach pulled him off. He was certain that he was being shaken, but all he could feel was the satisfying joy of hitting and the warm stickiness on his face. The week finished out and Reggie was surprised that he was still enrolled. Putting his books away after the end of a grueling day, he was lost in visions of the hell awaiting him when he felt the punch on his shoulder. He swung around and, without thinking, cocked his fist. Whoa, bud, don't kill me. Jack Wilkes held up his hands in mock defense. Reggie relaxed. Don't sneak up on me, man. You know better. His voice had a dangerous edge in spite of the fact that this was his best friend. Jack shook his head, making his hair, dyed robinette blue, dance. That's right. Don't fuck with Hannibal. Isn't that what they're calling you? I hadn't heard. He had heard and it actually gave him a small rush. He shoved Jack's shoulder. Besides, better Hannibal when they give me some space than being tagged as the school fairy. What the hell was that about, anyway? Taking a hunk out of the man's leg? I hated on him more than anyone, and I'm glad they kicked him out, not you, but wow. Jack shook his head. Reggie collapsed against the bank of orange metal. I wish the hell I knew. He looked up at his lithe friend. We've known each other since third grade, right? Yeah, old sister Dragonface. They laughed together, ringing a little hollow in the empty halls. What's on your mind? I liked it, 
the blood, I mean. The look on his face held a mixture of fear, revulsion, and excitement. The laughter in both boys died. That's more than a little sick and creepy. Jack sat down hard, blowing out as he did. But I'm no stranger to either. Look, we haven't hung out in a long time. You do your things. I do mine. He rested a delicate hand on Reggie's shoe. Yeah? Reggie's brow tensed. Jack shook his head again. Relax, I ain't dumping you. All I'm saying is that I might not be much help. This isn't fourth grade, and we aren't as tight as we used to be. You need help, man, and I don't think I can give it. He squeezed Reggie's shoulder. Reggie stood quickly, shaking off the caring hand. I'm not asking for help. I don't need help from you or anyone. Jack noticed that Reggie's voice had dropped an octave. He looked up. Okay, okay, relax. I'm not saying that you should go to therapy. God knows it hasn't helped me. My parents are trying to use it to scare me straight. The laughter came back to Reggie's face briefly, dispelling the presence that had just been there. You? You've slept with half the cheerleading squad, the female half. Jack was relieved to see the humanity come back. Keep your voice down. I have a rep to maintain. It's an easy in if they think they're converting you. Anyway, you need to talk to someone about this thing. I've noticed things about you over the last few months. You're more morose than you've ever been, and that's saying something. Promise me you will. Reggie sighed and helped Jack to his feet. I promise. I don't buy it, but I can't make you. He squeezed his friend's hand. The bell rang, sending both boys to the next class. Reggie really wanted to do just what Jack had asked of him. At least part of him did. Finding excuses not to was far too easy, and the schoolwork consumed him. The year was coming to a close, and everything began to pile up. That seemed to be therapy in itself, though. Under just such a burden in the library and steadily trying to dig his way out, he was interrupted by Lisa Taylor. A fellow bookworm, he had noticed her only peripherally. She was pretty enough with her milky skin and curly red hair, but in a way that was disguised by glasses, braces, and gawkiness, all of which could pass to reveal a real beauty one day. Hey, Reggie, she chirped. She sat her stack of books down near him. Oh, hey, Lisa. He looked up from his work. Sup? She smiled warmly. I just wanted to thank you for something. This is going to sound awful, and if you tell anyone, I'll deny it. She came around the desk and crouched by him, her hand on his knee. I think what you did to Don was great. He's been making me miserable for years, and I'm glad he's gone. Her proximity brought with it a familiar odor that jolted and intoxicated him. Thanks. It was nothing? The last was almost interrogative. She sat down beside him. Anyway, this is going to sound weird, and if you don't want to, that's okay. But I wanted to ask you to the school dance. She held up a hand. I know, I'm nothing special to look at, and maybe you already have a date, but how about it? Reggie put his hand over hers. I think you're very pretty, and you smell great, and I'm... It, it's great that you asked. I'd have never gotten up the courage to do it. So that's a yes, then. She looked exhilarated. He nodded, perhaps a little too enthusiastically. Absolutely. Good. I'll pick you up Friday night. She stood and gathered her books. He raised an eyebrow. You have a car? I sure do, and maybe after the dance we could hang out. You know, just the two of us. She winked and swirled around, walking away. Confused by the promise and his sudden turn of fortune, but willing to go with the flow, he tried in vain to return to his studies.
Reggie looked in the mirror and tried for the tenth time to get his tie straight. His mom had tried to teach him, and he had even looked up online how to do it, but it wasn't easy. For the hundredth time this month, he wished that his dad was still around. A gentle knock interrupted his striving. Are you almost ready, son? Doris asked. She had been walking on eggshells around her son for a while, but the last week he had been different somehow. Better. Yeah, Mom. The tie was about as good as it was going to get. Come on in. The door to the little bathroom opened. Doris was in her waitress uniform, white synthetic fabric draping over her bony frame. You're so handsome, son. Reggie smiled. He was genuinely happy. He hugged his mom, practically swallowing her in his arms. Thanks, Mom. She was so thin, he felt like he could break her in half. A high-pitched honk came from outside. Doris broke the hug and held her son at arm's length. Have fun, my sweet boy. Don't rush home and be safe. Safe from what, she couldn't say. He had grown up so fast. Bye, Mom. See you later tonight. Reggie ran out of the bathroom, grabbing the corsage and his jacket from the rickety dining room table. Lisa sat outside in a little blue VW. As he got in, he reeled from her perfume. You have to tell me what you're wearing. It smells fantastic. She looked at him a little oddly. Well, thanks, but I'm not wearing anything. I'm allergic to most scents. Oh, well, you smell great and you look even better. His face warmed and he smiled. She did look great in her short, white silk dress. He had on a dark gray suit that was his general go-to attire for weddings, funerals, and, as it turned out, school dances. Thanks again. Thank you again. You look pretty awesome, too. They drove to the dance and entered a world of blurred color and sound. Neither of them danced well. They managed to get through a few quick numbers without embarrassing themselves too much. Slow dances found them clinging to each other. Lisa's eyes sparkled. She laughed at his jokes and seemed to get all of the lame book and movie references he made. I don't know why we never went out on a date before, she said as they sat drinking stop sign red punch. I do, he winked, because I'm blind or stupid or both. Thank you for opening my eyes. He almost winced, because even in his head it sounded cheesy. But the look on her face told him that she disagreed. She kissed him quickly, but equally softly, eliciting a few whistles and laughs that neither of them heard. They danced the last dance together and were the final couple to leave the floor. They walked slowly back to Lisa's bug. I've got a surprise for you. Lee, she put her hand on his chest. Shh, I want this to be a special night. She pulled a backpack out from the front hatch and motioned him to follow. They went back behind the school where the cross-country team practiced. It had been roped off because parts of the track had been washed out during a rainstorm last month. Woods, part of what had once been a full-blown park, crouched on either side of the track field. After a few minutes of tramping through the underbrush, thick from neglect, they arrived at the clearing. I found this spot while taking some pictures for the yearbook. She pulled a blanket from the backpack and spread it out. Sit down. Reggie could hardly believe this was happening. He was about to make out with this cute girl. He did as he was told, head swimming. She straddled him, causing her dress to ride up, revealing lacy underwear and stockings. Moonlight made her clothes shimmer. You're an angel, he whispered. Unbidden and for the first time tonight, thoughts crawled from his subconscious. Ways that this angel could be sullied, humiliated. He pushed them down, or tried to. She shook her head. Not tonight. No good girls here. They began kissing with the passion and sloppiness of two amateurs, 
hands, eager to explore places only dreamt about, went where they could. Reggie found himself growling softly, and his fingers moved up the hem of her panties, seeking what lay beneath. She stopped him. We can't go all the way. I'm sorry, I'm a little messy. Her embarrassment was evident even in the moonlight. Clouds began to mask the light. Reggie shook his head. Messy? You're, you're beautiful. Frustration flitted across her face. No, I'm on my period. Reggie understood. Okay, that's, that's okay. We'll do whatever you want. Relief brought her smile back. Let's drink a toast and cool off a bit. She turned to her backpack and dug around. I brought some special punch. He rocked back and tried to bring his hormones under control. A thought bubbled up like sewer gas. Little whore led me on. Brings us out here and then this? His hands began to shake a bit. He held them up and saw something on the fingers of his right hand. It was hard to see in the pale white light, but he could smell. Under the odor of her arousal was the scent of blood. His fingers found their way into his mouth and he tasted her. The blood's character was different, but he felt that same hunger ignite. He wanted more. Lisa tried to scream as he grabbed her from behind, but the hands around her throat and the wailing and gnashing of teeth stopped her. Don and his running buddies Joey and Neil heard the noises coming from the clearing. They had tried to follow the lovers but got lost. He looked at the jocks and winked. Guess our boy is getting lucky. It's okay. I don't mind sloppy seconds. I thought we were just going to beat him up. Joey didn't feel good about this whole thing, but he'd been friends with Don since kindergarten. Backing out now wasn't an option. Those noises reminded him more of his dog eating a squirrel than anything else. He clutched the bat to his chest like a talisman and followed. You guys can't puss out on me now. This will be fun. Don sounded like he wasn't sure who he was trying to convince. Neil found a little more sense. Fuck this man. It ain't worth losing my spot on the team. He turned and started looping back towards the school lights. Even Don paused as the noises got louder, but he fingered the pistol stuck in the front waistband of his pants and focused on his anger. That pussy would pay for messing him up. The three moved through the trees like uncertain specters through a child's fever dream. Reggie's sight cleared, and even as it did, he wished himself blind. Lisa lay in a twist of crimson cloth, her throat torn open and her face twisted in a look of horror. He couldn't deny the taste in his mouth or the joy it had brought him. He wanted to puke it all back up again. He wanted to be lying there in her place. But the power that hummed in his brain and filled his body couldn't be denied. But the power that hummed in his brain and filled his body couldn't be denied. I'm sorry. So sorry. A branch broke off a few feet to his left and he heard voices. The moonlight had come back full strength and he felt naked and ashamed. He could do nothing about the body. The thought of being caught and denied access to this was too much. He leapt ten feet straight up to a nearby branch and crouched. The part of his brain that was still Reggie was amazed, and the whisper that grew ever louder promised this and more. The silver disc in the sky painted the death scene. Don pulled his gun free, taking an inch of skin from his stomach in the process. Joey nearly fainted and merely vomited between his shoes instead. What the fuck? Don said, looking around for Reggie, thinking whatever had done this had also gotten him. It wasn't out of any sense of concern, but he figured that it would give him some lead time to run. A sound like falling into dried underbrush came from behind him, and he turned to see what he thought was Joey crouching over. 
His brain registered a second later that it was Reggie standing on the crumpled body of his friend. He watched as the boy, who seemed no larger, pulled Joey's head from his shoulders and sucked at the strange fruit in his hands. Don stepped back and pointed the gun. Don't, don't make me shoot you. He thought maybe if he could make it to the shadows, at least he could run. Reggie stepped forward and bathed in the light of the moon, seemed to be carved from carnelian, his face, hair, and remaining clothes stained rust. Oh, shoot me. You know you want to. The unnaturally thick, low voice came out like a growl. You killed her. Don tried to focus the will to carry out his threat. And Joey. I sure did. It was a shame about Lisa. His left hand moved faster than Don could see, and pain shot up Don's right arm. Somehow he was holding the gun and something else. You and your boys, not so much. Don realized that the other thing was his right hand. He saw blood fountaining from it. He watched, his body held prisoner by something, as what was Reggie came forward and drank deeply from it. Things quickly went black for him. The last word he heard was delicious. It was easier to see now. His latest victim lay crumpled like an empty sack. The one called Neil had lost its important fluids into the dirt. He needed more food. The changes taking place in this new body were using up energy almost as fast as he could provide it. His right hand dipped into a pocket and pulled out a once clean square of linen. Even through all of the contamination, he could still smell the good sister. No. Reason and conscience clawed at the back of his brain. He remembered stories of people buried alive and of the marks left on their casket lid as they struggled for freedom. His struggles were as useless and no less painful. For right now, he wasn't in charge. The thirst was. Running through the night air on feet that would have tripped over one another only days ago, part of Reggie exulted in the power and speed. He didn't make a sound, at least not one discernible to his ears. Thoughts about what he had done in only the last few minutes and the changes he had undergone over a week fought for his consciousness. He didn't love the girl. Lisa, he tried to remind himself. But she didn't deserve that end. He deserved this power, though. After a life of abuse, defeat, self-loathing, this was his time. No, he screamed at himself, not at this cost. He chuckled, not quite out loud. Human life was cheap. That's what everything around him said, no, screamed, just as loudly as that voice inside his head. This new life was much dearer. The clearing from Wood's Edge to Stone Buildings was free of witnesses. Fran lived at the school, as did most of the staff serving as dorm parents to the residential students. The building they were housed in was an old rambling thing built from native stone, the oldest on campus. His senses led him to the right side of the building. His eyes crawled up to a window. Pale light struggled to make its way out, blocked by grime and wire mesh. In spite of the greensward surrounding the school, it was still in the middle of a dangerous city, now even more dangerous. He took off his blood-soaked shoes and peeled away his socks. The grass was cool, almost cold, under his bare feet. There was no one around to see him scramble up the rough wall. Fingers and toes found easy purchase, and in seconds he could see her. The rich smell came through her pores and found egress through a crack left open for night breezes. She kneeled at the foot of her bed, praying to the bloody man above. 
He could easily smash the glass to get to her, but that would bring a great deal of undue attention to the scene. Sister, he called weakly through an opening. When that wasn't sufficient to rouse her, he tried louder. Sister Fran! She turned to the window, a look of confusion running across her face. She was so beautiful. Her wimple had been removed, revealing flowing dark auburn hair. Reggie? She cranked the window open further. Come in. What on earth are you doing climbing up the building? You could get killed. He crawled through. If he were any broader, that would have been impossible. Thanks, sister. He saw that the only light came from candles placed on nearly every flat surface. She took in his appearance. Dear Lord, what happened? You're covered in blood. She turned to a tiny sink in the corner and wet a towel. He leered at her while her back was turned. I got in a little scrape with Don in the woods. Innocence painted his face under the bloody mask when she turned back to him. He wanted this feast to last a little while. He had a knife. There was so much blood. He sobbed and crumpled to the floor, letting a little of his remaining humanity to the surface. Fran looked at the window and then back at the boy sobbing near the foot of her bed. What felt like a cold breeze blew through her soul. She fingered her rosary and stepped up with the cloth. Well, I had hoped you two would be done after he was... after he left. She held out the wet towel as one would meet to a rabid dog. He took it in his right hand. Thanks, sister. I think we're done for now, he and I. Her eyes tracked the hands as he wiped the blood away. Why come to me? A smile threatened the corners of his mouth. He fought it down, his soul screaming for her to run away. You always seem to care so much for us. I thought you could help me. I'm afraid I've done something bad. I love you, children. She squatted so close she could look into his eyes. I'll be glad to help you. You just tell me what you need. His eyes flashed. The nearness of her and the scent buried any idea of waiting. I need you. The hunger there scared her. She knew what the boys whispered about her. It flattered her and even excited her in a way she tried to deny, but she didn't think this was that sort of hunger. Just, just wait now. She stood and backed away as far as the room would let her. I don't know what's wrong with you, Reginald, but whatever you've done can be fixed. Fixed? Anger crept into his voice. I don't need anything to be fixed. He stood in a fluid motion. I'm just fine. He pulled her into a lover's embrace. More than fine. He looked into her eyes, wanting to see her fear more clearly. Her body seemed cold in comparison to the furnace his own had become. Mentally, she chanted the 23rd Psalm and felt his presence. You're not fine. Not at all. Stress brought out her brogue. You need help. He can help you. Her eyes went to the crucifix. Him? Hatred suffused him more powerful for the moment than the hunger. He spun the petite woman onto her bed. He can't do a thing for me. Or for you. He reached down to rip the front of her smock away and touched the gold there. Skin sizzled and he hissed in pain. Swear words more ancient than the Latin heard in these halls filled the room. Perhaps I was wrong. She sat up, tears filling the corners of her eyes. Maybe it is too late. She began to sing the Kyrie and genuflecting. As she sang, 
Reggie felt a wave of cold air wash out from her and watched as light began to fill the room, eclipsing the candle's weak illumination. A new level of agony coursed through his body. His consciousness swam back to the surface and gained control. Where Sister Fran and the bed had once been stood a creature both beautiful and terrible in a way that no words he had could describe. The light consumed everything and the pain and the music swelled to a peak, and just when he thought he could take no more, everything went black. Father Tim ran down the stairs in his robe and slippers. The Mother Superior had called him, unable to say anything other than, Come to Fran's room quickly, she said. A group of nuns stood outside her door praying fervently, but apparently none had dared enter. Sister Mary Louise, what's going on here? Tim put on his sternest face. Being awoken at two in the morning did not put him in the best mood. The house mother genuflected. Father, we heard the most unholy noises coming from Fran's room. I called herself, and she called you. Tim looked around for the mother superior and didn't see her. Sister Catherine was many things, but brave wasn't one. So no one has called the police yet. He was satisfied by the shake of her head. He wanted to make sure of what had gone on before invoking the authorities. There had been no whiff of scandal in St. Andrews for over a century, and he'd see that it would stay that way. As noisy as the sisters said it had been here, there was no sound coming from behind the dark wooden door now. He tried it, but it wouldn't budge. He put his shoulder to it and practically fell in. Candlelight made seeing any details difficult, but he was fairly sure they were both dead and that it had been peaceful. Fran was cradling the boy, more beautiful in repose than any of the great masters could have accomplished. He closed the door, sighing under his breath. Well, at least this one would be easy enough to sweep under the rug. You've been listening to Power in the Blood, part of Through a Glass Darkly by Scott Roche, narrated by the author.